Hello everyone, welcome to Did That Make Sense podcast hosted by Chantelle and Dana. Here we'll be talking about all things neurodiversity and disability. So if you love open and honest conversations as well as fun facts about goats and how they get up mountains, then this podcast is for you. But yeah, so we're going to talk about goats because yesterday we were talking about um like comedy so like my my social media pages I like do my lived in experience do the use of comedy which is like you know and I get I often get a bit of backlash that's like how dare you like um make fun of our community most people who are in the community are like oh my gosh this is brilliant um but like you'll get like the minority that's like you're making fun of us like I demand you stop it and like and like there's an issue isn't there with like disabled people using comedy that would like being in on the joke because like I think that's the difference like growing up I was always not in on the joke which then like what's that word like exercise uh, exercise me uh, or ostracize ostracize me yeah I've like, never I, quite fully understood that word <laughs> no, it just reminds me of an ostrich like the, yeah the same here. that's all I can <laughs> it like put me on the outside of a group so obviously like as I've got older and I did like my actor training and then and like funny enough when I was doing my actor training I despised comedy okay and I think I did because like I never understood it particularly being like autistic as well like I never understood my type of comedy and then when I started doing TikTok I found it but then there's this like part of the internet and I think most of them aren't actually even in the community being like how dare you use comedy as as a strategy for activism like how dare you um but it's about being in on the joke isn't it yeah and I think I mean okay there will always be people who can't take a joke like there'll always be that small percentage out there where they can't laugh at themselves Mm. um and that's that you know that's okay like I'm not that's not my audience um but I the the way that I see it is I would rather someone be laughing with me than someone be laughing at me. Or like, again, like that, like idea of like being in, like being in on the joke as well. Um, or, you know, I would rather like laugh at myself than like cry about it because like a lot of the situations like are so embarrassed. Like I get myself into embarrassing situations all the time. Like, I think like the first, I think this was like very early, like with me meeting you where like, I told you how like oftentimes like I'll go into like a doctor's office or like, you know, go for like a massage or something like that, or, you know, they'll tell you to take off your clothes, but like, I don't quite understand what that means. And I have to really get them to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Either been hard or I've taken off a little bit too much. <laughs> um, right. But that's funny. Like I could sit there and be really embarrassed about it and like cry. But I would really rather laugh about it. And like, you know, like I can think about times, like I still get embarrassed, but like, I, again, I'd rather laugh at it than go the other route of like crying about it. Mm. And, you know, I think also like you and I were talking about how um, crying and laughing are similar emotional releases. Mm. I would just rather have the emotional release of laughing than crying. I cry, like, I, I don't need to cry about everything. No, I totally agree. And I feel like being neurodivergent or like work is being self-employed or being a business owner neurodivergent, you're always on the brink of either laughing, laughing or crying. 
And it's the same, like when I look back at my childhood and I do videos about like teachers and stuff, I was always on the brink of crying. So I've now turned that into 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 laughter because we're highlighting how ridiculous it is. That's where I see my content as. Like if you're laughing at the content, that content happened. So like out there, there is a child that doesn't have a pen license, a pen license. Like that is funny because like it is so ridiculous and that shouldn't be a thing. Yeah. So like, yeah, like I think it's, it's a uh it's interesting because I think a lot of people when they think about the neurodivergent community kind of remove comedy from it and yet there's so many autistic comedians uh you know so many different neurodivergent comedians that have a lot to bring to the table in terms of comedy I mean the precursor to this about talking about goats was the fact that so I'm an actor and um I go on tour occasionally and do some schools tour you're giggling already because you know what's coming um I go on yeah I go on tour and like the way tour works is like you're in a big accommodation with lots of people the cast is like 12 people you're with them all the time it's a pretty intense experience and like I got so much from it um shout out if you've ever seen me because I tend to get recognized quite a lot in schools with the quirky bird theater but anyway last year um we had a uh, a girl join the group called charlotte and um me being like autistic and like trying to figure out how to make friends with people like i kind of like my initial instinct is to always find out what you're comfortable and uncomfortable with like that's my first protocol for making friends so that i can make sure that person feels safe and i was on my ipad and for context i love goats like i am pretty obsessed with goats chantelle knows this because she's worked with me on the planner and like this is why goats are in the planner but no one seems to know (laughs) Yeah, we did realise the other day when we were talking about it, I said to Chantal, I told one of my like really long term friends, Jazz, oh, like, because I love goats. And she was like, do you? And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I thought I gave off goat loving energy. Like, I really did. And clearly I didn't because I've got goat attire. I've got goat bracelets. I've got goat wallpaper. Anything you can think of goats, I've got it. And we'll talk a bit more later about why goats are great. (laughs) But going back to the to the story. So this new girl joins the group and um, I was sat like one evening after rehearsals with my iPad and my wallpaper naturally is of a goat. And I showed a friend of mine, I went, do you like my wallpaper? And she said, yes, but don't show Charlotte the new girl because she's afraid of goats. So, you know, from that, what happened was for the next two years, whilst on tour with Charlotte, I crafted my entire neurodivergent routine to save her from seeing anything to do with goats. So we're talking like I would only put on my my pajamas, my goat pajamas when I was absolutely going to get into bed, like medication done, shower done, teeth done, like last, last protocol. I would always angle my iPad away from her whenever I was like on the same like table as her. And I also have like a reel of goat pictures and like videos that I watch when I'm stressed or feeling overwhelmed. So I'd always make sure to have my earphones in. And I just wouldn't wear any of my goat attire, like my goat socks, anything. And then about a week ago when I was on tour, um, my friend Bethan was sat next to me and she looked over my shoulder and she went, oh, cute picture of a sheep. It's not a sheep, it's a goat. And I told her off for it. And I said, thanks, but don't show Charlotte who was sat across from us because she's afraid of goats. And Bethan being like ballsy and Bethan turned around and was like, oh yeah, are you scared of goats? And Charlotte was like, no. So what unraveled from this was everybody got involved in this goat conspiracy about who had told Dana, the autistic girl, 
Charlotte was afraid of goats because someone had the audacity to say to me, maybe you dreamt it. And I was like, listen here, I would not have changed my entire routine, my entire routine and curated my entire life on tour to protect Charlotte from goats from a dream. Like, I'm autistic, not stupid. Thank you. And then someone was like, maybe somebody said it as a joke and you didn't get it. And then we were all like, oh, that was probably it. But we can't figure out who did it. So it remains a goat spiracy. But I think that is a like a, like that caused so much humor that I like even though it was my autism that caused it, like not understanding something, like the fact that like the, there was so much joy and comedy that came from that moment. And also Charlotte came up to me and was just like, I know it's really funny, but can we just talk about how affectionate that is that you like protected me at all costs? because you thought genuinely I was scared of something. If that isn't neurodivergent friendship, I really don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> How much, like, okay, I, I, I was thinking about this as well. How much do you want to bet that something came up and Charlotte probably was like, oh, like goats, like kind of give me like the creeps or something, like something along the lines of that, or like, oh, like I'm not a fan of goats. And someone translated that as like, Charlotte's scared of ghosts. <laughs> And me took that so literal as like a phobia fear of goats because I thought this is so niche. You know, maybe like a goat stole her sandwich when she was three. I don't know. Maybe she got bit by a goat. Like, yeah, I think Chinese whispers in the, like when you're neurodivergent, like just snowballs, isn't it? And I took, the thing is the fact that I didn't tell anyone, like, like maybe a neurotypical person would have just like talked that through with someone. But I was just like, okay, she's scared of goats. I've got things I'm afraid of. Okay, no goats. Like, that's how simple that thought process was for me. Like, and then I was just like, I, at the forefront of my mind all the time was just like to protect Charlotte from goats. So when anybody tells me they can't be accessible, I tell you that for a full two years, I protected a fellow cast member from anything to do with goats. So you can. It can be at the forefront of your mind. I'm sorry, it can. So why, so why do you like goats? Well, so I grew up in the north in Lancashire and at the back of the house, there was um, a goat sanctuary, goat sanctuary, a little bit of tongue twister. And like when I was overwhelmed or stressed, I would just go out there and like watch these goats. And I just think they just don't give a fuck. They're just unapologetic. And like, I think there needs to be more of that in the neurodivergent community. And I suppose a little bit like Marmite, which I guess I can like relate to like people can either be like oh goats are horrible or oh yeah goats are cute whereas I just watch them and I'm just like like they'll just go on that house like they're little like they'll just get up a mountain and don't care how they get down like we talked about this like how do they get up there and they just yeah. don't give a shit because they trust in they don't have any worries they just eat the grass and they go where the grass is greener they go where their needs want them I know okay yes <laughs> but like how, like again like like okay anyone who ever seen those like animal documentaries you'll see these like straight cliff faces and the goats are just hanging out and like what does it cause, like goat 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 goat's body <laughs> on the ground gout is a is a is a foot thing isn't yeah. it that's got it <laughs> um and uh the like and their legs are skinny, so I get that. So they're like they're on this little ledge that can barely fit their like hooves on it. So they're like, but their body is leaning like off the edge because it's round, like it's getting pushed. 
to the wrong side of the cliff. Like, I just, I don't understand. Like, they defy gravity somehow. <laughs> yeah. One needs to do, like, the physics of how goats can stand on a tiny ledge like that. I, I just don't understand. I'm going to Google it because I, I wonder whether it's similar to the bumblebee theory. Because bumblebees aren't meant to fly, are they? No. And, like, goats are pretty round. What should I put in? Um, how, how do you get do... stand on skinny ledges? <laughs> I'm sure someone wrote that somewhere. Google's amazing. On skinny ledges. And someone said, just as human rock climbers use their fingers to manoeuvre their way up a wall, mountain goats' hooves have two toes that spread and allow them to grip onto small rocky features. This helps goats maintain their balance whilst roaming the mountains. So it is basically like someone going like that to try to like get a rock yeah i think so but the question is is like how did my i would love to know their thought process though because there's no grass up there they just like go up there don't they this is okay because like this is the other bit right like i would understand like follow the salt or like follow the like you know nibbles there are no oh. nibbles on a flat <laughs> rock face like they're <laughs> it's just rocks <laughs> it is just rock but I've just found, funny enough, I've just found something that says, um, why do goats stand on cliffs? To find the n- nutrients they crave, mountain goats with scale steep, rocky mountain cliffs in search of mineral licks. Okay, so it is to lick the salt off the walls. <laughs> off the walls. <laughs> well, really, like, okay, so when, like, um, as kids, like, we used to go um, snowboarding in the mountains quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Canada, they put salt on the roads a lot. And so going up the mountains, you would always see rams and goats and stuff coming and like licking the salt off of the roads. Are goats just like a, a thing in Canada? Like um, it would be more like rams, but yeah, but rams and goats are like part of the same family, right? I think so. Yeah, we have like the ones with like the... Oh, yeah. Those yeah, types yeah. of horns, so yeah. yeah like, um, the, the cinnamon buns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have the cinnamon the heads. Um, wait, What else did we have in our in our WhatsApp group? Um, what bothers me about, like, charities uh, using, like, Steve Jobs and Richard Branson and, like, all these people as, like, the people to emulate. I kind of like these, so I'm like, how neurodivergent are you actually? And like, I'm sure they really are. Like, I'm not denying that they aren't neurodivergent. I also think like things that aren't taken into account enough is the other factors of life that affect your experience with neurodiversity. For example, like being uh, a woman and dyslexic is going to be different. Being transgender and being dyslexic is going to be different. Growing up in a lower social economical area, meaning you don't, your family is like, doesn't earn a lot of money or is on, you know, government, government schemes is going to affect your experience of A, being diagnosed and then having the support because you're probably going to a school, you're probably in a deprived area going to a school that doesn't receive enough funding. So when I see Matt Hancock, for example, talking about his journey with uh, dyslexia, I mean, it's all well and good that he managed to get to the state, but like, dude, you went to a private school, like you went to a private school, you got... I'm pretty sure you got diagnosed early. You got, you know, um, the like really like high levels of support. So you don't act in a way that you're speaking for for the everyday person with dyslexia. When me, for example, I only got diagnosed at 18 after 18 years of little to no support and feeling like I was 
thick like so it's it's a completely different experience isn't it and I remember when I was doing my show Dyslexia constantly widening that perspective is so important uh, I, I got a message from a woman um a black woman who said have you ever thought about the experience of being black and um and dyslexic because honestly like and and she told me her entire story of her family and I was just like I as a white person have never experienced that and dyslexia and I was like that that it, that like white black, even white privilege is mixed into dyslexia like we don't all stop on the same foot so when I got give, when I turned 18 and I got di- officially diagnosed with dyslexia and I got given a flip book with Albert Einstein um you know and all these all these male might I say pms and like Richard Branson okay fabulous but like you're picking out one when there's thousands and thousands of dyslexics with lots of different experiences and we try to put a blanket over all of us and go well this this will work for everybody but we're not all on the same footing at the end of the day we need to deal with all these other issues to deal with that issue do you know what I mean that discrimination there's lots of discrimination in discrimination if you know what I mean yeah yeah no completely completely agree Um, and that's why we talk about like the gift of dyslexia like I don't use that term more obviously dyslexia has brought me to this career path and it's fundamental to who I am and I'm proud of it but equally I wouldn't say it was a gift because I grew up with a lot of trauma and then, you know, seeing somebody online that, you know, got diagnosed with a young, had the support with a young, went to a private school, who talk about like the dyslexic advantage and like being able to harness dyslexia, you're just not doing it right. It's like, actually, like you've been given tools that I didn't. Um, so I don't, I guess you can use it in rela- if you think your dyslexia is an advantage, that's, that's your prerogative. But I'm very aware of not perpetuating that onto other people because, like I said, there's many factors that make up the dyslexic experience beyond actually being dyslexic. And I wouldn't say it was a gift for me growing up. It was traumatic. No. no and I, like, I, like I was diagnosed young and I was, it was never a gift. No. Like I think, yeah, like it's not every person is different, but I think, you know, there's lots of dyslexics out there that haven't been able to reach their full potential because they've basically been traumatized at school. Like, okay, for example, like the word superpower or like gift, I would really like to know where that originated from. Because to me, I genuinely believe it originated to make parents feel better about their children. And it was not, it was not designed to benefit children. It was designed to make parents feel better. Um, and it's okay that it makes, you know, like, like whoever uses it, whoever's neurodivergent uses it. By all means, if it gives you power, use it. Like, like there's there's nothing wrong with that, but um, if it if it's not giving you power, like I think we also need to think about like where 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 did that come from, and why are we feeling yeah. pressure to to use it and to be so positive about our experiences all the time? And you know, I think I think we you know I think it's okay to get negative about it, um, uh, because otherwise, like I find with the neurodivergent community, it's very easy to turn into. Um, like gifted superpower, it's very easy to create a culture of uh, toxic positivity. And we're not careful enough with that. Yeah, and I think like, let's be honest, being negative is what creates change. Like if there was no negative, we wouldn't be here active, like being active in our activism. And like, if there wasn't negative repercussions of those experiences and discrimination, then we wouldn't mean you wouldn't be 
year, you wouldn't be running an inclusive stationary business and I wouldn't be making content about my traumatic school experiences. Like being negative is actually such a power. And I found people forcing toxic positivity onto me growing up left me as a young mind feeling very unsure about what I was able to take up space with, like where I was able to say, actually, that's not okay. I actually need this support because saying like it's a superpower is saying there's not a problem in society and that just isn't true. It's saying that we all have equal access and we don't. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Thank you for listening and we hope to catch you next week for the next episode of Did That Make Sense? Hosted by Chantelle and Dana.